What up, what up, what up? Welcome everybody to episode 16 of the Chat It Up podcast. Uh, we're going to go with a new format this year, a new year, new me type of thing. Um, you're still going to get the same great interviews that you always do, but I'm going to add a few segments here at the beginning. I hope you guys like them. Um, I personally think that they're going to be awesome, um, so I'm going to just kind of jump right into these. Uh, the very first segment is going to be one that I'm just going to call Youper News. Uh, we all see headlines in the newspaper, see stories on TV6, and I know that we sit there and say to ourselves, where else would stuff like this happen but up here in the UP? So I'm going to be highlighting some of these news stories as they come up and kind of just putting in my two cents about them. So, uh, and actually this week I have two different Youper News stories. So... Uh, the first one is uh, the upcoming Hickey Lunta Fest being held in Nagani on January 18th and 19th. Uh, as you all know, Hickey Lunta, the Finnish snow god, what better way to celebrate him uh, than a festival in the middle of the winter? So there's going to be a ton of events over Friday and Saturday. Uh, like I said, January 18th and 19th. You can look them up online or on their Facebook page. But some of the Uper highlights are there's going to be a sauna at the Nagani YMCA. Uh, there's a luge course. You can go and check out luge going on. There's the Panukaku pancake breakfast and a Trinary toast eating contest and a pasty slingshot. And that's just a couple of the things going on. I mean, it doesn't get much more youper than a Trinary Toast Eating Contest. Am I right? So be sure to, if you're in the Nagani area and you're looking for something to do this weekend coming up here, go and check it out. Uh, the other youper news story that I have is on Tuesday, January 22nd, is the 132nd annual ski jumping tournament at Suicide Hill in Ishpeming. Again, it doesn't get much more youper than ski jumping. So they're going to have tailgating there, concessions, bonfires. Um, I believe they're even going to have fireworks after the jumps are done. Uh, the jumping starts that Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you get your buttons ahead of time, they're 15 bucks a person. Uh, I know they're for sale all over at businesses in Nagani and Ishpeming. Um, the list of those businesses, I think, is on the website or on the Facebook page. Uh, kids 12 or under get in free. If you purchase your uh, button at the gate, it's 20 bucks instead of 15 But again, if you're looking for something to do, I highly suggest heading over to Suicide Hill and Ishmael and checking out some ski jumping. It should be an awesome event. That being said, the next segment that I have for you guys is one that I'm actually super excited about. And that segment is going to be This Day in Uper History. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Each episode, I'm going to be bringing you history from that day that the episode comes out uh, as it relates to the Upper Peninsula. And this awesome segment is brought to you by the folks at Pasty.com. That's P-A-S-T-Y.com. They also run the Pasty Central Facebook page. So a huge shout-out to them. Go and check out the, their, their Facebook page and their website. Again, that's Pasty.com and the Pasty Central Facebook page. Uh, so without further ado, we will jump into this day in Uper history. January 14th, Pasty Central Day in History. The 107th Combat Engineer Battalion of the Michigan Army National Guard had its beginnings in Calumet in 1881, serving with honor in many of our nation's conflicts. 
On this day in 1899, they mustered its men for service in the Spanish-American War. Most recently, the 107th sent 100 of its men for a year-long deployment in Afghanistan. Their motto? Good is done. On this day in 1888, the Delta News reported that 250,000 feet of hardwood logs would be sawed at Dollarville for the docks at Marquette and St. Ignace. Finally, in 1920, on this day, it was so cold in Lake Michigan that the car ferry Grand Haven was stuck in the ice three miles off the shores of the town by the same name. Pasty Central Day in History, January 14th. Okay, that was uh, This Day in Uper History. Again, that was brought to you by the folks at Pasty.com and the Pasty Central Facebook page. I hope that you guys really enjoyed these new segments. I've got a couple other ones that I'm not going to give away uh, just yet. I will probably mix and match uh, those into new episodes just to kind of keep things uh, fresh and fun. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Otherwise, we can jump right into the interview for this week. Uh, I was able to sit down with Jason Rowling. Jason is the race director for the Nikaymanon Ski Marathon coming up. And uh, we had a really great chat. So uh, without further ado, uh, he and I are going to chat it up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back after a long hiatus here for the holidays. I'm sitting here with Mr. Jason Rowling. Jason, thank you for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. No, it was a pleasure. Yeah. So... Are you a born and raised Uper? I don't know a whole lot about you. Yeah. Quite a few people that I interview I've met before. I may have yeah. a, you know, a friendship with. But are you from the area originally? Uh, no, I'm a transplant. Okay. Um, I'm from northern Wisconsin originally, a place called Phillips. Which yep. is, uh, Phillips Floaters. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and the loggers. And yeah. The, yep. Yep. Okay. So, so I'm from that area. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I roundabouted through Alaska to get here. Sure. Uh, and then... Uh, yeah, I met a girl and I didn't leave, so that's kind of where I'm Funny at. Funny how that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know you did go to school here, though. You went to Northern, correct? I did. I did uh, a degree at Northern. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Okay. And also, I know that you are a decorated 20-year Army veteran, so thank you for your service. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah so uh, the reason why you and I are sitting down today really is the Nikaymanon Ski Marathon, which is coming up here. Absolutely. And you are the, the race director for those listening in that maybe aren't necessarily familiar with the Nikaymanon, what exactly is the Nikaymanon? Yeah, so it's uh, it's a very interesting race actually because it's uh, one of the only point-to-point races in the nation. Okay. Uh, meaning it starts in one location and finishes in another. And uh, in this case, the Nikaymanon starts in Ishpeming and then obviously finishes in Marquette, which is a pretty good elevation change and yeah, I'd say <laughs> crossing a good amount of terrain. Um, and uh, it's one of the three largest marathons in the nation. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of grown. It, it, it grew from, um, you know, John Momarts and a group of dedicated individuals starting it mm-hmm. uh, 21 years ago. Right, yeah, 1998, right? Yeah, yeah it was the first year. So. And uh, it's, uh, it's morphed over the years, but it's really stayed true um, for the most part to, to what it is. Yeah. And it's a, it's a traditional cross-country ski race, so, like, there's different techniques. But this is, there's classical and skate. This has been true classical uh, technique race, which is, uh, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, um, when you think of cross-country skiing and you think of older cross-country skiing, like, that's what you think of, the, sure. the tracks and yep. a race to the tracks. So it's a true marathon, 51 kilometers, uh, that, 
that finishes uh, in a completely different location than it starts. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So you mentioned that it's like the third longest in the nation, and it's one of the only point-to-points. I would assume then this race must bring in people from all over the country, if not other countries, would you say? I mean, are yeah. people coming in from all over for this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, you know, it's it's part of different marathon series. Um, the CXC marathon series is uh, part of the Midwest, you know, culture. Essentially, if you look at cross country skiing in general, you've got, you know, four or five races that are like the epicenter of cross country okay. skiing. Kind of No Cayman on is one of them. You oh, know, okay, sure. You've got the Berkey, you've got this, you've got the Vassalopet, you've got all these like, you know, Scandinavian esque uh, feel, you know, races. And um, yeah, so what it happens is is We've got, we've got um, competitors that come from all over the U.S. Um, internationally, um, and a lot of it dicta- is dictated by schedules. Sure, you know different schedules, different World Cup schedules, different Olympics, you know World Championships. They all, uh, they all kind of play into who shows up that year, right? Yeah. Um, and um, this year, we're fortunate that there's a there's a number of schedules that worked out so we might be getting some different talent than we've gotten other years and that's the cool part about it is that you just never know until race day and then all of a sudden you're at the starting line with you know four olympians standing right next to you yeah (laughs) i mean where else can you get that you know that type of thing so how did you get involved with the race then yeah so cross-country ski racing is an interesting interesting sport um and it's an interesting industry Mm -hmm. um so uh you know, I, I guess it's probably easier to explain my history a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then that'll kind of that'll uh, go into how um, I ended up here. So um, so I was a cross-country skier, um, and I was on the, the U.S. Junior National Team. Um, and then I was a biathlete, and I was on the U.S. team. I was, you know, so I, I, I played in that world quite a bit. Sure. Um, you know, I skied for the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Okay. Um, and then I ended up uh, coming here to the Olympic Training Center. Sure. Um, and that was when uh, we had a biathlon program here. It was ramping up to the Olympics in 2002. And then, you know, when I ended up finishing my degree, uh, and then we had some deployments to Afghanistan and some other <laughs> things that mixed in there, but uh, I knew I wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's kind of like one of those things in the UP. It's like... You know, if you want to stay, you find your way. Yes, know, you know, absolutely. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I had I had been in my ski community. It's a, it, it becomes a pretty tight community. And sure. I had met John Momarts. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at Downwind Sports, and so I knew all the the doers of the race. Yeah, I had helped out with the race for many many years. I had competed in the race, and then you know. In my professional affiliation, you know, John and I work together on a lot of different stuff. Sure. Um, he's now my, my boss, my <laughs> employer. Um, and um, when you look at transitioning to a new director and you look at transitioning to, um, you know, uh, someone who's going to be able to take and carry forth a race like this, um, it's different than other races. And I don't mean to downplay other other races, but, like, it's not a running race where all you need is dirt and a, t- a stopwatch. Sure. Uh, it's not a bike race where if it's raining, you just get wet. Yeah. Cross-country ski races require understanding snow, understanding grooming, understanding the industry for skiing, understanding, 
you know, technique, understanding types of courses and the way that they need to be set up, understanding the logistics of getting to all of these things that are just different than other races. And you can't just turn over a race to someone who likely isn't really tied into that industry and sure. understands it well. Sure. Luckily for, for us, um, you know, John had ran this race for 16, 18, 16 17 years and he had put a lot, a lot of sweat and, oh, yeah. and equity into this thing, and um, burned a lot of calories. And <laughs> when he was able to to look at finding someone to, to, to take it over, I just happened to be in his world, um, and we were able to do a, a great handoff. So I became sure. his assistant director for a number of years, and then uh, I progressed into the director. And now he's still stayed with the organization, but he. He helps me with the trails, and he sure. helps me with some of the background stuff. So, you know, you, I don't think you ever truly go away from it, right. um, but you know, you kind of give the reins up, and and, uh, and that's that's how that's how we kind of came to it. But it's important, though, for an organization this size. I mean, we have over six hundred and over six hundred volunteers every year. Yeah, um, it's one of the larger fundraisers for um, the No Cayman on Trail Network. Yeah, which is a nonprofit. Obviously, mm-hmm. everything that we what we do goes right back to the community for the trails and for upkeep and grooming and you name it. So, at the end of the day, um, when you look at um, when you look at <laughs> trying to to transition this thing over. It's really, really easy to to become stagnant with making it just happen. Yeah. And, you know, to John's credit, he's just like, it's time for some new ideas. It's time for someone else to, like, have a different thought process. Uh, And then, you know, that's where I came in. Sure. I'm a little bit younger than him, and I had a different perspective. And it allows the race to stay fresh. And there's going to come a day that I'm going to be super pumped to hand it off to the next person. Um, that's going to be able to take my ideas and refresh them because times have changed and, and whatever. Right. And then I'll go in the background and do a lot of work for the organization. <laughs> sure. Well, and you you kind of just in that answer answered a couple other questions that I had. Obviously, anything that lasts for 21 years and counting, there's got to be some sort of passing the baton. And, and you, you just covered that perfectly, or at Absolutely. least what I was curious about as to how this is, has made it all these years. And obviously the volunteers play a big role in that. I mean, having Huge. over 600 volunteers, as I mean, that's more than some cities in the UP have people, you know? There, so. is, there is literally not enough time, energy, or um, ability for me to um, explain how much I appreciate those people. Sure. Um, because this, this organization wouldn't exist without it. You right. Know, um, this race wouldn't happen without it. Uh, these people are, some of them have been with it from the beginning. Many of them, actually. Sure. Um, they're just incredibly dedicated, you know. Um, they make your job really easy <laughs> because, you know, they're not afraid to tell you that you're wrong and that it's not going to work out that way. Yeah. Or, oh, we tried that seven years ago and that, that failed miserably. Don't do that. Sure. Like, okay, got it, you know. And so it's I'm very fortunate to have uh, an incredibly amazing, cool group of people that have done this and, you know, and just be able to walk in and, yeah. well, know, and be able to work with some cool, cool so, people. So... You've got obviously a ton of volunteers out there all over the place, but you have like a core race committee, correct? Of like twenty-three or twenty-four people, I think, yeah. make up the committee. Yep. What sort of other jobs besides just race director kind of fall in under? I mean, because obviously it takes a village to to really make this happen. Oh yeah. But what other type of jobs do you you know are are a part of this? I guess. 
Yeah, so it, it doesn't take a village. It takes an entire city to make something like this happen, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, uh, but no, but to your point, like, when, when I, you know, when, when I was able to um, kind of transition from John, it was great because he had a really, really strong network set up. And, and John is an amazing leader in the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't even know the word micromanagement. Sure. Which is great. That is great, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an Army officer. And so for me, that transitions well in my brain to understand that role and not to, like, be in the middle of people's greatness. Yeah. Um, or try not to be. I don't know if I actually do it, but sometimes I fail, I'm sure, miserably. But the point is, is that we had some amazing people already in, in the right spots. Sure. Um, and so when you look at a race, you've got a medical piece to it. You've got a logistics piece. You've got a communication piece. You've got a marketing piece. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a registration piece. You've got um, Sunday events, kids' events, bike events, dog events. Um, you've got, uh, uh, you know, disabled Americans, uh, adaptive uh, skier type yeah. events. Um, all of these people, and every single one of those I've said, is basically in charge of their area. Sure. Right? And so... Um, I'm just fortunate to be able to be part of it, you right. know. Um, and um, and then the other piece of it too is like one of the bigger roles is course and grooming and yep. And John's heavily involved in that. Yeah. And then uh, I kind of I kind of dip my toes in there quite a bit too, just because that's just that's the meat and potatoes of the race, right? right? You got to have a great course right. to ski on, and we cost um, a tremendous amount of private land, mm -hmm. and so that logistics every year um, and making sure that we're good to go with all of those private landowners right. is always a huge piece to this um, and we're so so incredibly thankful that these people open up their property for us for sure the two weeks a year that it takes to get this race off the ground yeah. and, and, and down this course so. so you just kind of listed a bunch of different races so that anybody's listening in is super clear it's not just necessarily cross-country skiing you've got snowshoe races you've got a yep. fat tire bike race yep. I, I don't know if I, I i never know if i'm pronouncing this right when a dog is pulling you when you're doing is it it's ski jour or how, yep. how do you, yeah, is you, that you nailed it okay <laughs> so ski jour and yep. then you have the adaptive race too which is really really cool Absolutely. have those kind of have you gradually added these additional races throughout the years or has it been kind of like as you transition into it you added all of these no no it's uh it's been added over the years okay um you got to remember that like uh sports and um interests have a lifespan mm -hmm. right and so like you know 10 years ago no one knew about s snow biking wasn't a thing right they didn't even have a snow bike right you know um and so you know now they do <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and now they have lots of them and so yeah, yeah you you kind of add these things as they go and uh, interest, uh, you know, it kind of increases and decreases over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really, really easy for something to be popular when the U.S. is winning gold medals in it, right? Very true. And so you see a lot of a lot of interest increase, especially in young people, uh, as like the Jesse Diggins of the world are, are making and, and uh, Keegan Randall's are making Olympic gold medals, mm -hmm. right? First ever, right? Yeah. So you're going to see this. I guarantee you it's just going to be like Bill Koch when he won a silver medal in the Olympics, right? You're going to see this huge influx probably in this case of young 
young girls that are just totally jazzed about sure. cross-country skiing and want these because they, they idolize these folks. Yeah. So it's awesome, right? And so you're going to see this huge insurgence, in, uh, a resurgence, I think insurgence, uh, resurgence in, uh, um, in young cross-country skiing, kind of like it was when I was a kid when Bill Koch was killing it. Yeah. Um, that's how I got involved. They had all these young groups that were just kind of coming up, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you get this, uh, you get this, this, Drought for a while, yeah. You know, it plateaus, and, and it plateaus, yeah. and things go up. And you need those excitement. You need those incredible people to come through and and you know, um, just just kick it in the butt and get right. get people really excited about it again. So we're we're in a, we're in a great spot right now, and there's a lot of different things changing. But I guess to answer your question, yeah, you know, the skijor um, increased in popularity, so you add it. Um, mm-hmm. The biking did. The snowshoe has always been exciting, you know, yeah. and that gets added in. Um, the kids races on Saturday, you know, and yeah, it's an evolution thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, of all these different races, I guess about how many people then do you usually see as far as like participating in it? Do you have a rough idea of about how many participants you have? Yeah. So, what's what's interesting is that. Um, you know, cross-country skiing, unlike some other sports, I mean, you see it in other places, but really in cross-country skiing, it's very it's very much like a family-oriented deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oftentimes we'll see, like, you know, you know Dave Jr. Uh, racing the kids' race on Friday night, Dave Sr.'s racing the marathon sure. race, you know, and then Dave Jr. and Dave Sr. are racing the fat bike race on Sunday. Like... Oh. It's a weekend. It's sure. a vacation for this family. Sure. So, um, you know, you're anywhere from like 15 to 2,000 participants at a given time. Mm-hmm. But then you add three to three and a half kids and, you know, uh, the suburban and a <laughs> wife and a husband and all these things to the, uh, to the mix. And, I mean, I'm, I bet you're servicing well over 10,000 people on a weekend. Awesome. You know, it's, it's, so it's, it's a big thing for the community in that way. It is, and I guess as I would assume as these races have been added, obviously the numbers have gone up as far as participation. I would just assume that'd be kind of the logical thing, more options, more people. Yeah, I mean, so that's the idea, right, is that um, it is it is an opportunity for us to, to, to raise funds for the the use and the, um, the upkeep of the trails sure. and everything for a year, right? Yeah. And so... Um, you know the the goal is to to make it a place where lots of people want to come and 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 uh, enjoy Marquette and sure. Ishpeming and Nagani and yeah and have a great weekend. So yeah, the the our goal is to grow the race. Obviously, um, it started the first year and they kind of just threw it out there and they had a surprising, um, a, a incredible uh, outpouring of support for it. Right, and then it's grown from that first year. Sure, um, and. Uh, you know, I think I think if we could get to three, four thousand competitors, we'd be pretty excited about it. Sure. Um, and right now, we're we're working towards that right now. So, what do you enjoy most about it? You've been on the race side. You said you've participated. You've also yeah. been on obviously behind the scenes. What about all this race? I guess do you really enjoy most. Um, <clears throat> what it does for the community, uh, what it means, uh, I, I guess, because I mean. At the end of the day, um, you know, I'm going to finish this race on Sunday along with 600 and some other volunteers. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a pretty dedicated group of core um, 
know, executive committee folks that have like put in 11 months of effort and calories into this. <laughs> and they're going to wake up Monday morning feeling like they have the worst hangover in their life because sure. it's, you know, you kind of come down from it and you're just, you're just beat. Sure. Um, and that alone is incredibly gratifying. Yeah. You know, to know that you, you, you made it happen, it got done and it worked. Sure. Yeah. So if someone's never been a part of it and they wanted to compete or even if let's say they wanted to volunteer because I know you guys still are looking for volunteers and I'm sure you'll always take volunteers if they're out there listening to this what exactly do they need to do to get involved yeah so they can they can go on to the website um, and they can hit us up on there by email uh, sure. they can call the No Cayman on Trail Network office uh, and they can they can request it there. We have a volunteer spot uh, that uh, is kind of like an online uh, registration place sure. that, that you can get a link from, and uh, and we hit it up there as well. You know, ultimately though, a lot of times volunteers will, will call in and they won't necessarily know what they where they fit well in it. Yeah. And so calling the office, getting contacted with. Uh, you know, some of our, our, our folks that kind of run the volunteers mm-hmm. is the best way because they can kind of talk it through and see like, okay, what, what would work for me? Sure. You know, I, 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 I like to be outside or I'd rather be in a place that's a little warmer or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But we love to have them. Um, there's a, there's always an opportunity for that. That's sure. For sure. Yeah. And just so we're clear for everybody listening in. So this is basically over the weekend of January 25th, 26th and 27th, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add about the race or anything that we didn't really touch on? I mean, uh, we've hit all the questions that I really had about it. So if there's anything yeah. else you want to add, feel free. Yeah, no, I think, I think the, the, biggest, um, the biggest thing that I would touch on again, and I said it before, but like the, this is a, an entire community effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but this race has a pretty, um, pretty incredible lineage as far as... Um, and it has a, a pretty incredible legacy from those that have come before. Minneapolis folks know about it. Madison knows about it. You sure. know, Illinois, downstate, and people come here because it's the it's 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 their thing, right? Sure. Um, and and that's something that's these volunteers are super proud of every year. Um, but this this happens because a community believes in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, not to downplay other communities because there's a lot of really great stuff that happens in all the rural communities all over the place sure. right however marquette ishwaming nagani it's it's a little special in this area and um and these types of folks they man they put some effort into making sure that people understand what it is to to be up here you yeah. know and you get that vibe in the race it's different it's different um this is not a race that is easy no it's a it's <laughs> a challenging race it's a challenging race to race it's yeah. a challenging race to ski and um, people get a lot out of it, a lot of accomplishment. And this might be the only thing that they hit a year sure, in that capacity, but it's one of those things that they all look forward to. And so we're very, very thankful to those, those folks here, the landowners um, that make it happen, allow us to do yeah. it. So. All right. Well, I know that you've listened to a few of the episodes, so I do have one final question that mm-hmm. I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you like ketchup, gravy, or other on your pasty? Uh, uh, so I'm a... Uh, 
I'm an other. You're an other? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, so what's other? Is that nothing? or what Other's you... nothing. Nothing? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the weird one out of the group. Um, but <laughs> if I had to pick one of the two, that it would be ketchup. Okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. I mean, I've got the my interview with uh, Seth Anderson. He liked hummus on his pasty. So I've gotten, that's interesting. I've gotten answers all across the board. Yeah. So, all right, well, Jason, again, I can't thank you enough uh, for sitting down with me to talk about the No Cayman on Ski Marathon. On and uh, another thank you to all the volunteers and helpers out there that make it happen every year. Um, and again, like I said, I just appreciate you sitting down with me. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, it's time for the takeaways from my chat with Jason. The first is just how special the Nakaiman on Ski Marathon is. It's wonderful that the money they raise goes directly into keeping the Nakaiman on Trail Network going which is such a huge recreational asset for Marquette County, no matter what season of the year it is. My second takeaway is the idea of perpetuation. Jason was handed the baton, so to speak, and someday he'll pass the torch to somebody else. And it's fantastic that they've been able to do this. And at the same time, they've also been changing and adding events that kind of coincide with the ebb and flow of which winter sports are popular. It's obvious that this is a winning combination because otherwise this event would not be going on 21 years strong and counting. Really, it's a testament to the wonderful people like Jason, his team, and the incredible volunteers and all of those that have come before them. This kind of leads into my final takeaway from our chat. And that takeaway is is that people matter, especially having the right ones. If you surround yourself with good people, you can accomplish amazing things together. The best part of our conversation is that it reiterated to me that this community is chock full of those types of people. Chat It Up is a bi-weekly podcast about all things Upper Peninsula of Michigan. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a review. You can also find Chat It Up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Shooter, reminding you to keep your chin up and your eyes forward.